Hello, everyone. I'm Brad Gray, and welcome to the Teaching Series Podcast. I am a follower of Jesus, and I find the Bible to be absolutely amazing and love helping people experience it anew. Because in my 12 plus years of teaching the Bible professionally, I've learned that most of us have never been taught how to engage the Bible the way it was intended in its original context, and we are missing out on so much. Because when the biblical text is set in its context, it becomes more relevant, compelling, and transformational than we ever imagined. My desire is for all people to experience the Bible this way and to see Jesus at the center of it all. It's to this end that I created the teaching series, which is a weekly video series that explores some aspect of the Bible in its original context and then talks through how we can apply it well to our own context. This podcast is the audio version of those highly visual video teachings, which can be found at walkingthetext.com. So if you find an episode particularly helpful, I'd encourage you to check out the video version as well. And please feel free to rate and review this podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and let's jump into the episode. Friends, hello there, and welcome to another episode in the teaching series. This is part two of the Zacchaeus story from Luke 19. So if you haven't had a chance to watch or listen to part one, I would highly recommend doing so as we laid a lot of foundation for the rest of the series. And what we're going to do today is essentially pick up where we left off. But just a brief synopsis, we talked last week about Jericho, what made it such a strategic and wealthy place. We talked a little bit about Zacchaeus as a chief tax collector, and we'll go into that a little bit deeper in today's episode. We talked about him being short and maybe not necessarily in height, definitely in social status, and how Zacchaeus put himself in a position to have an encounter with Jesus. And so where we left Zacchaeus off last week uh, was up in a tree. (laughs) So we're going to pick up the story today in verse 5. says this, When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. Remember how much tax collectors were despised. And you even see here that when Jesus is going to his house, they're like, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord. Now, real quick pause here. There is a pause in the story. We don't know if this is right after he comes down from the tree. We don't know if this is on the way to his house. We don't know if it happens at his house because the word stood up can also mean stop. I think perhaps that this is actually taking place at his house. But either way, he has this short encounter with Jesus, and now he's going to make this proclamation. Verse 8, Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now, I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. All right, so here Zacchaeus goes, here's what I'm going to do. And it's, it's amazing what he's offering to do, what he says he's going to do. 
What I want to do now is to help you understand where all this wealth comes from and why he responds the way he does. And for that, we need to understand how taxes worked in the land of Israel and what a chief tax collector was all about. So you'll recall from last week, there is only one reference to a chief tax collector in the entire New Testament. It is here with Zacchaeus. There are other tax collectors. Matthew's a tax collector. Zacchaeus is only the chief tax collector. So from a tax perspective, if you were a Jewish person living in the first century world, your taxes would be funneled to two different groups of people. The first would encompass the Jerusalem temple. Every Jewish male 20 years or older was required to pay the annual temple tax paid on the first day of the spring month of Nisan, which correlates to our March-April time period. And then the second thing that you would also have to give to the Jerusalem temple was a tithe on your crops that would be distributed to the priest and the Levites. So that was to the Jerusalem temple. The second group of people was Rome. Rome is running the world. They are the empire that is ruling over you. You are in your own land, yes, but you are under the boot of the foreign pagan oppressive empire of Rome, and they are fueling the machine of the empire through taxes in order to fund their military. And so there were lots of taxes connected to being a citizen and particularly a slave, if you will, within the Roman Empire. There was a crops tax. There was a people tax, just being a citizen, slave, resident of the Roman Empire. There was a transportation of goods tax. There was a sales tax, an inheritance tax, a business license fee tax, all of these different taxes. And when scholars look at this in the first century world, the estimate is anywhere from 50 to 80 percent the average person was taxed. Oh, doesn't that just get your blood boiling right there? This is a very oppressive system to be in. And there are tons and tons and tons of people. The highest percentage of the people in the land of Israel were poor and they were being gouged to the core. Now, how were the taxes connected to Rome collected? They were collected through a system called tax farming, and this is how it worked. Roman governors were responsible for gathering these taxes, and so they did this by hiring a chief tax collector, which was in the land of Israel, a Jewish person from among the people. And so this is how it worked. The Roman governor would have a contract out for a particular area. And if you wanted to be a chief tax collector, you would bid on that contract. And if you won the contract, which essentially said this entire region will give Rome X amount of taxes, you are responsible for forking over that amount. And then what you would do as the chief tax collector is you would hire underlings, tax collectors, who would go and then over the course of that next year or so, exact all of these taxes from the people. Now, tax collectors were paid, but everybody knew that the system was corrupt, that tax collectors would take more from the common people than what they should. And what are you going to say about it, right? Rome is backing the tax collectors. And so tax collectors became wealthy. 
And of course, chief tax collectors were really wealthy. And because Zacchaeus has the contract that's stationed in Jericho that may have a large part of Judea, this is again an incredibly wealthy city in an incredibly strategic area. And Zacchaeus is that godfather. He is the chief tax collector. He is wealthy. And just in case we're not privy to that information, which everybody in the first century world would be, Luke reminds us when he tells us about Zacchaeus being a chief tax collector, oh yeah, and he was wealthy. (laughs) And so it is out of this realization of who Zacchaeus is that he responds the way he does. And again, He says, I am going to give half of my possessions to the poor. And then he says, and I will give back four times the amount to anyone that I have cheated. He is a chief tax collector. He has cheated people. Right, So this is kind of like, well, if I've done that, um, Paul Wright in the uh, new um, archaeological uh, study Bible by the ESV has this really great line as he's commenting on this passage. He said, this is a Middle Eastern way of saving face. Okay, To try to restore some dignity, he has definitely cheated people. Now, this four times amount is really interesting. And here's why. According to the Torah, the Jewish law, the Torah, in Leviticus 6.5, there's a passage that talks about financial fraud that the original amount is returned plus 20%. That's what we would expect Zacchaeus to say. And yet he talks about a fourfold restitution. Now, there is a passage that has a fourfold restitution in it. It's in Exodus 22, verse 1. It's talking about the outright theft of an animal. Restitution was at four times or five times the value of the animal. And depending upon the uh, the animal, it was either four or five. Zacchaeus is talking about a fourfold reimbursement restitution for his financial fraud. So this is really interesting what he is doing. This is an extravagant response to what he's claiming to do. Now, there's another passage that may be sitting behind what Zacchaeus is doing, and it's from 2 Samuel, and it's the story of after David and Bathsheba have committed adultery, and David has had Uriah the Hittite, Bathsheba's husband, murdered, that Nathan the prophet comes to David, and in order to get through to David, he tells him a parable about a man who has just one sheep, and how it gets taken away from him and David goes berserk. Notice his response, 2 Samuel 12 verses 5 to 6. David burned with anger against the man and said to Nathan, as surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this must die. He must pay for that lamb four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity. So again, the Animal connection is Exodus 22.1, four times over. That's connected. But David says he did that because he had no pity. And in connection to this passage and what we see with the Zacchaeus story, a great commentator by the name of David Stern, who has his Jewish New Testament commentary, writes this in connection to Zacchaeus' response. 
He says, a man stealing what is essential and showing no pity was required to pay back fourfold. Zacchaeus, fully repentant, not only acknowledged the heartlessness and cruelty of his behavior, but voluntarily imposed upon himself the whole restitution required by the Torah for such acts. And it is amazing. He has this extravagant, holistic response, right? Half my possessions to the poor, four times over. And I love Jesus's response in verse 9. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save the lost. So here's what I want to do for our remaining time together is I want to look at what I see is kind of this threefold, if you will, extravagant, holistic response by Zacchaeus. That as we look a little bit deeper at what he did and his story of how our story can connect to his. So the first thing we see here is a repentant heart. There is repentance. And I know that maybe for some of us, repentance can be this kind of icky R word that has just got some baggage connected to the tradition we grew up in or how it has been used in our past. But repentance is just a word that means return to the path. So maybe some of you will recall, I did an earlier teaching just called Return to the Path, where I talked about repentance. And the idea of repentance is that when you aren't walking the path you know you're supposed to be on, and you come to an acknowledgement of that, you then do whatever you can to get back on the path. That is what repentance is. And we see this with Zacchaeus. He recognizes that he hasn't been walking a proper and healthy path and he verbally acknowledges it and then he talks about how he's going to get back on the path and he says, listen, I'm going to give half of my possessions to the poor. Then I see what goes after that is just this reconciliation. That there is this reconciliation with the poor, but more specifically, when he says, if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will return that plus four times the amount. That he recognizes that when he was off the path, not living the way he ought to be, he did damage to other people. And now he recognizes That this holistic response he needs to have to his encounter with Jesus includes repentance, but this repentance flows into a reconciliation, a restoration with those he has wronged. And then I would just say that there's one other aspect of this that is just so riveting to me, is that now the third thing is he has this ability for impact. You see, when when he repents of what he has done and he acknowledges this is what I need to do in order to reconcile and to restore, Jesus doesn't tell Zacchaeus to leave his life as a chief tax collector. In fact, this bodes well with something that we've already read in Luke. If we were listening to the whole story of Luke at one time, in Luke chapter 3, John the Baptist is preaching a message for the repentance of sins. And all of these people are coming to John. They are hearing his message. And as a result, in verse 10, it says, what should we do then? Okay, so the crowd is asking this question. And then in verse 12, it says, even tax collectors came to be baptized. 
Oh, yes. So this is our first reference to the tax collectors in Luke, and they're coming to be baptized. They recognize that something is off, and teacher, they asked, what should we do? And John's response in verse 13, don't collect any more than you are required to, he told them. So he doesn't say, don't be a tax collector anymore. He says, do this with integrity. Do not take more than what you are supposed to. And because of the role of Zacchaeus, he is a chief tax collector in Jericho. He has this amazing ability to have impact because of his influence. That when he goes and he gives half of his possessions to the poor, and the poor are like, why are you doing this? Everybody knows you've always been a stingy person. He has the ability to tell his story. That when he goes and he begins reconciling with those he is wrong and he does this with an extravagant response four times the amount they go but hey the Torah says it's 20% and yet you're doing this fourfold why he has an ability to tell his story he gets to say listen you know I I was off the path I was wrong Um, I have been stingy I did wrong you and I had this encounter with Jesus and as a result of it I recognized that something significant was missing in my life that I wasn't living life in tune to the way that I was designed to and I am back on the path I am following Jesus he has changed my life and as a result of that that is why I am doing what I am doing I mean, it is just amazing to think of the implications of him being able to talk about the power of a changed life. And that is how Zacchaeus responds to his encounter with Jesus. And as we just think about this in terms of our own story, like where have we gotten off the path? Where do we just need to repent? Where are we just like, I've been in the wrong. I need to deal with this thing. And you just go, I need to verbally acknowledge this. And I need to put things in place in order to be able to get back on the path. This connects a bit of what we talked about last week is that Zacchaeus had a longing to be changed and he put himself in a position for that to happen. He climbed the tree. And now we see that once he's had this encounter with Jesus, he recognizes, I need to respond. I need to verbally acknowledge this. I need to get back on the path. And he recognized that there was collateral damage in his lifestyle and that he needed to reconcile with people. And when we start to acknowledge the things that we've gotten wrong, the question becomes, who do we need to reconcile with? Who do we need to be restored back to and what does that look like? And in the process, we recognize that now we have this incredible ability that there is redemption in this, that God is going to recycle the brokenness and the pain as we have an ability to say, this is why I'm doing this. And this is the impact that is possible when we get to tell the story about the transformational power of Jesus in our lives. And so, friends, there's Zacchaeus, and there's something that we can take with us as well. 
So thank you so much for stopping by, for watching this video. For those of you listening to the podcast, just so appreciate you hanging out with me for this time. And as I mentioned in last week's episode, I'd love to do a final teaching for this Zacchaeus series by answering questions that you have. So you can go to walkingthetext.com. I'll have a list of discussion questions there. And then underneath there, there is a comment section. So feel free to leave comments. Help me to see other connections you're making. But if you are interested, in me answering your question in the final episode, leave your questions there. And next week, we are going to look specifically at Jesus and how he interacted with Zacchaeus. Because for Zacchaeus to have this holistic, extravagant response, there was something compelling about his engagement with Jesus that changed everything for him. And next week, I want to look at at that. So friends, thanks again for engaging the teaching series and may you walk out the text well in your life. 